This podcast is brought to you by Crisp. It is a software that automatically mutes background noise in any communication app. No more embarrassing dog barks, traffic noises, crying babies, and family chatters when you're doing your calls from home or the nearby cafe. With Crisp, those noises will be muted and your caller will not be able to hear any of them. Not only is it able to remove background noises, it can also even remove the ones coming from your caller. So all you get is high-quality audio without the distractions. Crisp supports any devices and over 800 apps such as Zoom, Teams and WebEx. Try out the world's best AI-powered noise-cancelling technology for free. Simply go to adriantan.com.sg crisp to get started. Welcome to the podcast. I'm your host, Adrian Tan. On the Adrian Tan Show, I interview leaders and experts on how they are enabling the future of work and turn these insights into practical advice so that you will be ready for the future of work. If you're new to the show, I have episodes with Mindfulness Coach, HR Tech Vendors, HR Leaders, and many more. Study shows unaddressed resentment between baby boomers, Gen X, and millennials set productivity by as much as 12%. Baby boomers complain that Gen Xers and millennials lack discipline, focus, and are distracted. Millennials complain that baby boomers display resistance, dogmatic thinking, sexist, defensive, insensitive, and many more. And we have not even touched on the Gen Z. As more generations are squeezed under one roof to row the same boat, it is time to address the generational elephant in the room. That's according to my guest today, Rachel Focardi. She most recently published a book, Reframing Generational Stereotypes, a management guide on how to embrace age diversity, build mutual understanding and foster collaboration to drive positive change, as well as your bottom line. Thank you for coming on to the podcast. Thank you, Adrian. Nice to be here. Could you start by letting us know more about this book that you have written and essentially what motivated you to write something like this? Absolutely, absolutely. So my book is uh, titled Reframing Generational Stereotypes. It was just released this past December and fundamentally is a book that aims to help bridge the generational divide within organizations. And what is what it is that led me to write this book is, you know, I've been in the space of kind of employer branding and talent strategy for the last 18 years. And ever since 2005, 2006, I've been uh, helping organizations, you know, adapt to the needs of the millennials who were at the time exiting universities and entering the work, you know, make environments more millennial friendly, you know, create environment and leadership that would allow for this generation to come in and feel appreciated and feel welcome. And one interesting thing that happened is in companies kind of rush to win the war for talent and position themselves as the ideal millennial employers, they have kind of failed to create some level of cross-generational awareness between millennials and the generations that are currently or were currently in the workplace. So what happened is that, you know, the older generations, the Gen Xers, the baby boomers, even the traditionalists who had been in the workforce for you know, decades, all of a sudden we're told that they needed to change their leadership strategy, they needed to change their approach, they needed to be able to motivate millennials, engage them, retain them, make them happy, provide more flexible working conditions. But it was not really explained to them why this was important. So in a way, these new generations coming into the workforce were kind of shoved down people's throats. And likewise, you know, these millennials that came into the workplace did not have any understanding of what the reality 
reality was of the people that were currently in the workforce and what you know entering the workplace would have meant for a baby boomer of a Xer. So this lack of kind of understanding between the two has created a significant amount of intergenerational conflicts, which are still very much alive today, that stem from the fact that generations really don't know much about one another. So you will hear that, you know, millennials are entitled and the older generations are resistant to change, that millennials are strawberries and the older generations have traditional mindsets and are risk adverse. And so there's all these conflicts that are boiling under the surface that are really preventing organization from being able to leverage the combined strengths of all generations and drive change and innovation within the business. So this is fundamentally what drove me to write this book. We have now an entire new generation coming into the workforce, Gen Z, and they are super committed to driving impact and driving change. We know they're very uh, worried about the state of the world. And, uh, and I believe that now is the time to really, you know, knock down these, these walls that prevent, you know, the older generations from really being able to pass down their knowledge, their experience to these new generations and work hand in hand with them to, to change, change the world fundamentally. Generational divide would probably be around during the time when we, you and I were fresh grads into the job market. How different has it progressed into compared to how we were when we first started into the job? <laughs> That's a really good question. Well, I think when you or I started getting into the workforce, and this is the reality I would imagine of, I know of, of actually most Gen Xers around the world, as well as most baby boomers and previous generations. I mean, work was something that you, you, you were kind of expected to suffer through. So I think the whole idea of work was very, very different. Work was not something that you would necessarily have to enjoy. Your boss was not someone that you necessarily had to like. The job scope wasn't something that would necessarily put you the you know put you to, to to best use. But it's what you needed to do, right, in order to have financial independence and in order to be able to make money to start a family and so on and so forth. I, I will always remember a quote from that '70s show, which is a sitcom about a bunch of teenagers in America's Midwest in the '70s. And there's an episode where Eric who's the main character gets a job after school at a local convenience store. And he goes back to his father, who's a former factory worker and Vietnam veteran, and starts complaining to him about the fact that the job is horrible, that he's super bored, that he doesn't do anything interesting, and that his managers are horrible with him. And the father's response is, hey, work is work. Work is not about how much fun you have, but about, you know, seeing how much crap you can take from your boss and then taking some more. Work is not supposed to be fun. If it were fun, it would be called, it wouldn't be called work. It wouldn't be called a job. It would be called, you know, crazy fun time. And That's I think true. that. Yeah, that, that's very much the reality. I mean, and, and that was the thing when, when we were young and, and when the previous generations were there, you would have to take a job, you'd have to mold in that type of environment. I remember I was even told not to ask how many vacation days I would get during a job interview because, uh, you know, people would think I was lazy and, and they wouldn't give me the job. So it was very, very different. So the difference now is talent really has the power. And uh, with the millennials, they drove an entire workplace revolution just by standing together and saying, you know what, enough. Work 
is supposed to be more than just a job. It's supposed to be part of who I am and not just a way to make a living. And, you know, I want work to be fun. I want to be engaged. I want to be respected. I want to be able to be valued for my diversity. I want to be able to have flexibility to live my life and live experiences while I'm young and not push them off until retirement. And by coming up together and demanding this change, companies started to transform. And, and we saw it in the workplace revolution. And now most of us can take that for granted, you know, a, a pleasant environment where fundamentally we're well treated and where we will be professionally trained and developed and so on and so forth. So yeah, and, and, and I think Gen Z will drive just as much change, but I think they will hold companies accountable for sustainable practices, for ethical practices, for, you know, doing things or putting their talent to use in a way that's going to contribute to a better world or to, 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 to change. And I think that they have a lot of power right now. And I think that instead of pushing them back, companies need to be able to, to embrace that. And, and in order to drive this change, they will need me and you, they will need Gen Xers, they will need baby boomers to really guide them and enable them. And based on your research, what are some of the net benefit companies can expect to have if they were to take a really serious approach in managing all this generational divide? Well, I mean, there's there's tons of, of benefits, obviously. I mean, one of the main reasons why people leave organizations, especially young talent, is intergenerational conflicts with their managers. And, you know, this is something that organizations don't talk about much. This is something employees themselves don't really mention, because these are things that, you know, I would find out when I would run, you know, surveys with organizations that were third-party studies, and then people would tell you, yeah, I'm actually leaving because, you know, I'm in an environment where I don't think I'm being heard. I'm in an environment where I'm not able to drive change. I'm in an environment that is too hierarchical and I'm not able to push through the, the vision that I have and so on and so forth. So number one, obviously organizations are incapable of you know, retaining the best talent. And especially with Gen Z coming into the workplace, they will not work for an organization where their talent is not put to use immediately in service of a greater good. They will just not want to work there. So from a talent perspective alone, they will miss out on the opportunity to attract the best and brightest. We also know that you know Gen Z I mean, they are ethical consumers, right? So they're not likely to buy products or services from a company that they don't believe has sustainable practices, even when it comes to, you know, their employees and their working environment. So, you know, not being able to provide or, or have a working environment where people across all generations are happy and heard and have a voice will definitely hurt organizations, even from a consumer standpoint. Furthermore, I mean, tons of studies have showed this over the years that the, the greatest innovation comes from diversity. And there's tons of examples of this. And I think generational diversity is absolutely no different. I think that on one hand, you know, the new generations are more socially minded probably than any of us older generations are. But it's also true that they don't have the experience and the understanding very often to, to drive this change, to, to, to follow up on their vision and, and scale it within the organization. While you know, the older generations, they, they have that. So, you know, without being able to create an environment where you can leverage on the tech savviness, social mindedness, ambition, drive, desire for change of the young generations, alongside the institutional knowledge, the um, 
and uh, experience the ability to address and overcome roadblocks within the organization and so on and so forth, companies will not be able to drive innovation. And this is actually one of the things that HR professionals and business leaders complain the most about is that, you know, lack of kind of cohesion across generation stagnates progress, stagnates innovation, and it also creates a significant, you know, slow moving projects and, uh, you know, failure to adopt technologies and so on and so forth. So, uh, so there's a, a plethora of benefits that are to be uh, gained from harmonizing the multi-generational workforce that even translates directly into the <laughs> profit margin or the revenue growth or productivity of an organization. But I think nowadays, especially with a new generation coming in, is about so much more than that. In your book, you talk about the importance of addressing and reframing generational stereotypes. But many people that I know of in organizations, they would probably try to shy away from such topics, maybe because it's too sensitive for them. They just become very uncomfortable. Why is framing all this very critical in your opinion? And how can company work around to enable such conversation at the workplace? That's a really good good question, Adrian. I, I absolutely agree with you. I, I do believe that this is a topic that everybody seems to be shying away from. It's interesting. I, I keep reading a, a variety of, of articles and videos out there. Some even go as far as saying that the generational divide is not real or generations do not exist or that generational differences don't exist and that you know we're all people and we should not be kind of bundled you know, under a generational umbrella. And, and I strongly believe that while these people probably mean well, the concept is a bit reductive. I mean, the reality is that generations are very real. I mean, the period of time, what was happening from a political, economical, cultural, technological, pop culture perspective, when people entered adulthood and furthermore joined the workforce, influences, I mean, influences them very strongly. So there's a lot of characteristics, mind frames, ways of doing things that are common to people that, you know, as I said, entered adulthood and the workforce at the same period in time. So discounting, you know, these differences, in my opinion, actually does more harm than good. At the end of the day, you know, it's like anything when you when you address relationships. These challenges are there and they're very real and they're not just going to disappear because people refuse to address them or just go out saying that they, they should not be a problem. They are a problem. So I think acknowledging this is really the most important aspect and the most important thing that we need to do. I feel that generational diversity today is very much a taboo topic, uh, very much the same way that, you know, ethnicity or sexual orientation were just, you know, up to 10 years ago. But I think that they need to, it, it needs to be addressed. I also am a strong believer that stereotypes are not always a bad thing. And this is the reason why my book is not called, you know, dismiss stereotypes, but it's reframe generational stereotypes. Because generational stereotypes can actually or stereotypes in general can, can teach you a lot about yourself and others. If instead of becoming defensive of it, you, you kind of take a step back and look at it. And the reality is that when we look at the workplace, you know, all these stereotypes that people have about different generations, I have conducted, you know, hundreds of studies with thousands and thousands of participants across all age groups and seniority levels all over the world. And when you ask them about the challenges that they face with specific generations in the workplace, the, 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 the feedback that they 
provide, it is always almost 100% aligned with the perception that we get from stereotypes. So these are genuine experiences that people have. So I think it's not so much about shying away from the stereotype itself. I think it's more about creating a culture of cross-generational awareness. So for example, taking the time to go to a Gen Z and explaining to a Gen Z that, hey, you know, the people that you were encountering in the workforce, these are people that started, entered the workplace, you know, sometimes 20, 30, 40, 50 years ago. And the reality back then was very different. You were not allowed to be yourself. Authenticity was highly discouraged. You were actually encouraged to keep your private life private and your professional life professional and not to intermingle with colleagues and to avoid building friendships because, you know, everybody was a potential competitor. Your boss wasn't somebody that you were able to be open and who would spend time mentoring and coaching you. It was mostly somebody that would show you the rope through tough love and so on and so forth. So I think that if the young generations understood that and understood that the average expected time of a promotion for a baby boomer or a Gen X could have been up to 10 years, they're not going to feel as offended when they enter the workforce and they encounter a boss who, for example, is not doesn't seem to come across as friendly or is not as, as authentic or is not as willing to share so much about their private life or maybe raises an eyebrow because you know the new kids are expecting to be promoted after a few months instead of this confirmation bias that says see they behave that way because you know they are you know self-important and resistant to change and uh, xyz they will understand that you know it's because they they they, they don't know. I mean, they're, they're learning as well. And, and their reality when they enter the workforce was very different. And likewise, I think that it's important to also coach and make sure that the existing generations in the workplace understand why the new generations are the way they are and why it's so important that we actually enable them and empower them instead of suppressing them and kind of cornering them. So in my opinion, the number one step is to, you know, explore the stereotype, not run away from it, not become defensive. There are differences between generations, but they're not bad differences. They're actually very complementary. And it's only by understanding one another and really being able to identify where our differences can really help support and, and create a stronger, more powerful team that organizations are really going to be able to bridge that divide. Unlike most management books, your book is really interesting in the fact that it uses stories to review the origins of workplace conflicts. And most importantly, you've garnered so many hundreds and thousands of different first account best practices from leading global organizations. I'd like to understand, based on your encounter with all these companies, which are the organizations that really stood out for you and why was that the case? Well, I mean, I think, you know, generational diversity, as I said, is something very, very new, right? It makes me feel very much about the same way as I felt when I started working with organizations on their employer branding strategies 18 years ago, right? You, 18 years ago, you would go to a company and say, so, you know, do you have an employer branding strategy? And they would say, oh, no, absolutely not. And then you would say, okay, forget the world employer branding. You know, what are you guys doing in order to make sure that prospective talent is going to want to join your organization? And then they would come up with a series of initiatives that they didn't really bunch under an employer branding umbrella, but were indeed great initiatives. I think right now with generational diversity is very, very similar. It's very hard to encounter an organization that will say, okay, yes, Generational diversity is a key item on our diversity and inclusion agenda, and we have a series of strategies and initiatives 
to address it. I think it's more common to encounter organizations that understand its importance and are in the process of figuring it out. And within that process, they have initiatives and programs that are really cool. So one example, of course, that I think has become kind of wide known is Group M with their shadow board program. And I think this is a fantastic example of cross-generational and intergenerational collaboration because what Group M realized is that in order to bring the business forward, they needed the experience, the knowledge, the know-how, the understanding and the institutional knowledge of the executive committee. But they also needed the understanding of young consumers that could only be provided as well as obviously the platforms that these consumers use that can only be provided by the younger generations. So instead of having layer after layer after layer of bottlenecks for the executive committee to be able to communicate with people on the ground, they decided to create a, a youth committee, which basically, you know, means identifying 15, you know, super high potential young talent who have recently joined the organization, who can literally side with the executive committee for everything that is of strategic importance to the business. And this means that all the decisions that are important, all the projects that are important, all of these are actually defined and delivered and worked upon by both the executive committee of older generations and the young committee of millennials and Gen Z. Uh, and I think this is fantastic. And in the process of doing that, the youth committee is also responsible for mentoring the or reverse mentoring the executive committee members so that they can learn more about how to build a you know social profile or how to about bitcoins or new age thinking or all these kind of things. So I think this is a fantastic example and shadow boards now are becoming something that more and more organizations are looking to do. It definitely requires a lot of commitment on the part of the organization, but it's a, it's a fantastic initiative. And I think it says a lot uh, about the commitment within the organizations to really join the power of all generations for the good of the business. For organizations that are keen to show their commitment towards generational diversity, but do not really know where to start, what are some of the small yet critical steps that they can take? Well, I mean, as I said earlier, I think the number one step in addressing generational diversity is to recognize that generational diversity is diversity. And that although every person is unique, it's also super important to recognize that stereotypes exist for a reason and can teach us a lot about ourselves and others. The other thing is obviously to acknowledge <laughs> that intergenerational conflicts are very real, even if employees don't openly talk about them. And that if they're not addressed, they will hinder an organization's effort to create a cohesive, collaborative, and productive uh, working environment. The third thing is I think to understand that frictions between generations stem from a profound lack of contextual knowledge and understanding of one another. I, I, you know, I feel young employees oppose their managers and older employees begrudge the young ones because they don't realize how strongly the behaviors and the mindsets they disapprove of are rooted in historical, political, and social contexts that each generation was brought up in. So I think the key is to acknowledge these three things. And then in terms of initiatives, I mean, even starting with cross-generation awareness workshops or sessions. I am doing a ton of them uh, recently where, you know, I go into organizations and there is employees across 
every walk of life, across every generation. And you start to actually address, you know, the challenges that organizations all over the world are facing when it comes to intergenerational conflicts. You know, maybe bring people back in time to understand what the reality was like for a baby boomer entering the workforce, a Gen X entering the workforce, a millennial entering the workforce, and a Gen Z. How things have changed. What are the challenges that each generation experiences when they work with each other? But also, what are the strengths? What are the things that generations really want to be able to learn from one another? And, and I think these are, this is a really incredible first step because it allows people to kind of get a sense for, you know, the fact that everyone around them is experiencing the same challenges. It helps get rid of that taboo. It helps bring everybody in the same space. And then from there, I think, you know, bridging the generational divide or starting to knock down some of those walls becomes becomes much easier. And then in terms of initiatives, I mean, creating opportunities for people from different generations to, to work with each other. Uh, there's a lot of organizations. Siemens is a fantastic example of how they drove innovation by creating teams that are generational diverse and removing seniority, stripping seniority altogether, and instead giving people an opportunity to contribute to a uh, towards a joint success through their area of expertise excess, instead of their er, er, years of experience. And so people started really working and depending on each other based on where everybody is good at and what everybody knows how to do well, as opposed to hierarchically. And this was able to to drive innovation in, in one year instead of, of five years that it would have taken if, if the typical hierarchical approach to problem solving was, was taken. So getting people an opportunity to understand one another is one of them. The second is giving people an opportunity to intermingle, to get to understand each other, even outside of work. Shared workspaces are great, for example, because they give people an opportunity to start to understand each other. You know, as I said, said, generationally diverse teams that are stripped of seniority, but are focused on collaborative decision making are fantastic. Reverse mentoring programs or two-way mentoring program where one person is uh, at the same time, both a mentor and a mentee are fantastic in helping people share knowledge and connect with one another, creating cultures of learning within the organization so that everybody is always upskilled and reskilled together independently of age groups is also a really good way to create inter generational collaboration and also address the very important topic of upskilling and reskilling the workforce. So there's a lot of different things that can be done. I have encountered a lot of companies that do some of them extremely well. I'm not sure that I can think of any organization that really has a complete strategy to address this, but I am very much convinced that this will become the hottest topic on CEOs and CHRO agendas in the next couple of years. For someone that might not be in a senior management role or not having the power to champion such major initiative, but yet still want to play their role in bridging the generational divide, what do you think they could do to bring this forward or to table some discussion within their organization? Well, I think that there's a lot that can be done. And I think that, frankly, expecting the change to come from the top is not very realistic. I mean, we've seen it with employer branding as well. You know, over the many years that I've worked in that space, it was rarely, you know, a CEO-driven initiative, at least at the beginning. Most of the time, it was championed by, you know, campus recruiters who realized that they were having uh, challenges being able to get offers accepted and realized that there was the need to create a more kind of millennial-friendly working environment. I think with generation 
generational diversity is no different. I think expecting the change to come from the top right away is not realistic. But there's a lot of things that I think everybody can do. Number one, like I said, is is to foster a culture of, of curiosity, encourage the topic to be addressed instead of being hidden. And then, you know, when it comes to, for example, the example I just gave of, of Siemens and the uh, cross uh, or uh, uh, multi-generational team, every manager and team leader can harness the strengths of different generations by replicating that kind of multi-generational diverse team model on a, on a smaller scale. It doesn't have to be a, you know, huge uh, strategic initiative at first, but, you know, any manager working with any team can start by creating a list of important projects that are perhaps in some way connected to a higher level strategy, removing seniority and giving everyone a common goal and the opportunity to make their own unique contribution while at the same time giving the team visibility within the broader organization. I think this is something that can be done at every level of the organization. But like I said, the first step is, and I can't stress this enough, is to address the stereotype, to reframe it together. I feel that creating a series of big initiatives without really making sure that generations understand one another is almost the equivalent of trying to save a marriage by asking the couple to go out on dates. Yeah, that can be helpful. <laughs> but if you don't under, un, address the, the underlying problem, if you don't make sure that there is mutual understanding and that you know every generation understand the forces that shaped one another, you can force initiatives, but you won't really be able to bridge that divide. And I think this is only something that can be done by individual people within the business, within any organization, whether it's uh, fresh students coming into the workforce and just deciding to apply a little bit of curiosity and sensibility in the way they interact with their older colleagues or, you know, any professional in the workplace now who can just show some some interest and curiosity around you know, the forces that are shaping these new generations and anyone within the organization that can facilitate this cross-generational awareness through talks, through speaking sessions, through learning opportunities or training, obviously would do a, is going to do a big, big service to, to their workforce. Thank you so much for sharing your insights on generational stereotypes and how companies could help to bridge all this divide. Where can people find out more about your book? Sure. My book is, is currently available on Amazon. It's available here in Singapore on Kinokuniya in different bookstores. It's also available in Kindle edition. And I am working towards an audio edition as well. So yes, any bookstore or Amazon, you'd be able to find it. And uh, there's also more information about this as well. Some articles that I've written about the topic on, on my website, xyzatwork.com. All this will be added into the show notes and uh, you can check it out at the end of the podcast. Once again, Rachel, thank you so much for coming on to the show and I look forward to speaking with you again and find out more about your journey on generational stereotypes. Thank you so much for having me, Adrian. Thank you for listening to the podcast. You can refer to the show notes for links to more information about our guests and their businesses. If you enjoyed this podcast, it will be helpful to give a review on iTunes or follow me on Spotify. If you are using Overcast, please hit the star button under the episode. That will help get this episode and podcast out to more people who may find it useful. I'll see you in the next episode of The Agent Han Show.